electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with uh, Jim Cramer, who's back, and David Faber. Uh, welcome to earnings season. 26 S&P names are going to report sometime this week. Pepsi kicked things off this morning as the market weighs COVID worries. Uh, Florida's single-day record with Pfizer winning FDA uh, fast track. Oil is holding 40. Copper, one-year high. Uh, Jim, welcome back. It is Thank great you. to have you because we've got a lot to tackle this week. Well, last week, uh, I tried to take time off. You can't win the Nasdaq's running like this. If you have a 7% gain in uh, an index, you almost have to realize everybody's price target has to come up. I mean, Carl, it's bountiful. And I think it's confusing people who are not in the stock market, but making a lot of sense to professionals who realize, oh, my, I got to chase. Yeah. And, of course, uh, banks this week. We'll get uh, J.P. Morgan tomorrow. Uh, There's a lot of discussion about... The commentary is going to matter more, but also the idea that uh, because of where estimates are, you could see some upside surprises. Got another uh, upside pre-announced today out of BASF. Well, look, you, you had a stock that ran five points in J.P. Morgan. Uh, the whole group was insane. And Goldman Sachs goes from, from 190 all the way up to almost 210. It's almost as if people said, you know what, find me something that is not crazed. Uh, my issue will be uh, loan losses. And uh, possibly dividends. And I think a lot of the chatter, and I listened to Wilf this morning, but a lot of chatter is going to be, oh, come on. Uh, If if everybody's going to get a stimulus and we're going to need more money pumped in, why should these uh, companies be able to pay their dividends? I personally think there's no problem. But that Wells Fargo uh, dividend uh, news really shook people up. Um, Hey, Carl, sorry. Yeah, Uh just trying to do with my data, my data feed here while you guys have been talking. Jim, on banks, you know, we, we were talking a lot about them last week. Of course, again, coming into this week with the earnings. Um, I, you know, what is it going to take for them to be a, a real buy, so to speak? Well, one of the things that must happen, David, must, is there has to be some differentiation. I know that, these, that the world of ETF, to me, uh, makes it so it doesn't matter whether, whether Gorman does a great job at Morgan Stanley, or, 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 or whether somehow Salman just blows it out because, you know what, Goldman should have amazing trading. But if we don't get differentiation, if we are really anchored to Libra with Wells Fargo, then I'm going to tell you, people are going to regret that uh, plus five buy at J.P. Morgan. Will Jamie come in hot? Will he? <laughs> or David, will he know. just say, you know yeah. what, I can't forecast, I don't know. Don't you and think be- that's more likely? I mean, yeah, you I know, do. he usually speaks uh, to a level of reality, and the reality would seem to be that it's going to be very difficult. I mean, we know that the banks are going to have very strong uh, debt and equity capital markets quarters, right. maybe record quarters, and trading to your point. But we also know reserves are going to go up. What we don't know is what are they going to say about the credit card portfolios? Well, what, what are they going to say about the mortgage portfolios? Not go up for Goldman unless right. Marcus 
Unless market, you know, small business, uh, not a great time to get in. I mean, Carl, some of these companies have changed stripes. Morgan Stanley is less, with the E-Trade, less and less involved uh, possibility for loan loss. Goldman, and before Marcus, was a dry cleaner. It comes in, it goes out. But there has to be some differentiation. Yeah. I think Bank of America is a great bank, but they got a lot on the line, given the fact that they've got a lot of consumers. And who knows what Sharf can do? He could kitchen sink the whole thing. He still has the ability to do that. He still has the ability to say, this is not my bank. So I think this is the first time where if they trade together, then we really, uh, there's no, you don't even need to do any work. It's just the Fed, the Fed, the Fed. And and that's not the way, way I like to do business. I was looking back at what Diamond said on April 6th, Jim. Uh, We've run an extremely adverse scenario that assumes down as much as 35% in Q2 GDP and lasting through the end of the year. Clearly, I mean, we hope we're not going to get anything close to that. No, I think that the big issue will be, did people stop paying rent? Do people stop paying mortgages? I mean, I, I have seen people, who, actually people of moderate wealth, who are saying, you know what? The banks have given me forbearance. And I'm like, well, what bank? Would some bank call you and tell you you didn't need to pay? But they all kind of feel like, and David, you can address this, I think, but there's kind of a laissez-faire approach. I mean, I, I have a, a tenant uh, in a building. And, you know, we gotta, you, you, you can't evict people. No matter what you do. What do you do if you're J.P. Morgan or Bank of America, Bank of America reports later in the week, and you say, David, you know what? Uh, I can't go after people who didn't pay because it's not the right time. Right. How do you handle that? I'm not quite sure, but we talked about this during the, uh, the advent of the crisis, of course, in terms of forbearance all the way up, as you pointed out, is what we would potentially need. I mean, maybe we're going to get to that point. We all watch closely in terms of what are, what's being paid in terms of residential rents and commercial rents uh, percentage-wise. It's not great, Jim. No. Um, it's not as bad as many had thought, certainly not on the commercial side, or at least it hasn't been to date. But your point's a good one, particularly when there's debt behind that. Uh, and the question becomes, can the landlord pay um, the interest payments that are due if there's nothing coming in? Yeah. And, Carl, we, we've seen this remarkable franchising of America. A lot of the restaurants are franchising. Well, you know what? Uh, there's a certain point where they can't pay their fees. Uh, and these franchises are all borrowed money and it's all been a fantastic business. And the next thing you know, why does Chipotle go up constantly? I think Chipotle goes up because it's store owned. The company owns the stores. And the differentiation may be, you know what, Uh, we're we're defaulting. Uh, Let other people continue to pay. And I've seen this over and over again where uh, even the Starbucks of the world have said, wait a second. We're not paying that rent. Chipotle's also trying to cut rent. Uh, And so I just say, you know, be careful. This stuff all ends up at the bank. And that's what I'm worried that they have to talk about. Yeah. Uh, last week, of course, Piper went to 1450 on Chipotle, Jim. Uh, yeah, a lot of discussion about uh, direct-to-consumer again and, uh, and, and in terms of the franchise, how much that knocks the model. Um, in terms of medical news, uh, we got Florida with 15,000-plus over the weekend, more than being offset, of course, by this fast-track uh, Pfizer-BioNTech news. How are you seeing it right now, Jim? Oh, you know, people ought to go and actually read the article, the interview with Albert Borla, because this is not what you now. Everyone is very excited about everything these days. But I do think that you have to understand that he says, listen, it's basically uh, it's free. 
it, to some extent, he says, we're not going to give it away to governments. We're going to charge governments a very, very nominal value. So I don't know how much they're going to end up making. But he just says, listen, we're kind of throwing a billion at it. Uh, and if it doesn't work, we're going to write it off. I did not find this as reassuring as others. I love the time frame. But I also do not like, uh, hey, you know what? We're going to make a lot of the vaccine. If it works, great. If not, well, we're just going to write it off. That's not what you want to hear. Uh, and it could be a big write-off. Okay, I'm using a new term for Pfizer. I think they're rolling the dice. He, he says we will throw it away. If the FDA rejects it, he said we are just going to have to write it off and call it a day. Call it a day? I, I don't want to. Do you want to be part of the 30,000 people who are, might be calling it a day? David, would, I, would you take that uh, little virus? I'll give it to you. And if it doesn't work, you know, why don't you just call it a day over there? No, that's probably not the route we're going to go or not the route that I would want to go. But to your point, you do need large scale trials where you can prove the safety of the drug at or the vaccine amongst a very large group, because when you're giving it to potentially what may end up with hundreds of millions, if not even more billions of people, you want to make sure you're not giving them anything, Jim. Right. We are very focused on that because we are uh, on the vaccine, on the antivirals that are available now and hopefully ones that will be available soon that will act earlier an onset of the virus, Jim, because it doesn't appear that our mitigation efforts are going particularly well in certain parts of the country. No. And they did throw Dr. Fauci uh, under the bus. We, we had a uh, uh, commentary about this this morning. Look, people, if you have the science and you're trying to interpret the science, well, uh, hey, you, you can get it wrong. But obviously, he's under pressure from the president. The one thing I was seeing that's creeping into the numbers for the first time, Carl, is people are talking about when we get the vaccine. Now, that's something that Pfizer said. It's not if, but when. I read a piece this morning about Carnival Cruise. You'll love this. And the piece basically says that Carnival Cruise is a winner with COVID. Winner. Uh, and you're, I you're found that a little strange. Steeple. Yeah. They are going to launch. It looks like they're going to have a German um, uh, launch of the uh, ADA, AIDA brand. Uh, limited yes. sailing. I don't know. All aboard. <laughs> yeah. And Sound then uh, on Friday, Arnold Donald said they're going to shrink, uh, I think, 13 ships. It's about 19 percent of capacity. Well, but, yeah, your right. Stiefel note, Jim, is pretty sees 50 percent upside. I mean, it's uh, but they say that bookings are within historical trends. Well, look, the they're great prices. I looked at bookings. I told you I was going to take a uh, cruise on, uh, in February. The one thing I would say is these analysts are always ship percentage crazy. In other words, if they can say certain ships are coming off. Uh, if they shrink the fleet, why what these things were going down well before COVID was because they were adding to the fleet. Now they're talking about about uh, cutting back on the fleet. I would talk about adding to debt, adding to shares. And as much as it's fun to look at the prices, which are amazing, particularly and David, you might want to go with there's an Alaska cruise. Yeah, it's basically they're giving it to you. But that makes me question why I want to go. Yeah, I'm not, it to you. I'm not seeing you and, and I'm not seeing the two of us on a cruise anytime soon, Jim. But no? cruising, we know, is a way of life for a lot of people and they love it and they can't wait to get back to it. Well, we'll go to a mall. Um, and if you're if that's OK, yeah. then we'll go cruising. OK. Larger question here. You know, Jim, we missed you last week. We watched the market continue to uh, to hit new highs in the case, at least of the Nasdaq uh, and the S&P, of right. course, creeping closer and closer to flat on the year. Um, despite the rising uh, caseloads in 
Texas, in Florida, in South Carolina, in Arizona. We can go through a long list, unfortunately, of states at this point. Um, does that just keep happening or do we get to some level? And I don't know. We were talking about this last week, Carl. You know, 100,000 cases a day. Is there some level at which you do need to start to think about closing up again and the impact that would have? Or is that simply something that is not going to happen, period, and therefore the market is only really going to pay scant attention, it would seem, to the rising number of, of people who are getting this virus? Wow. I don't think anyone's prepared. Are you going to let the Dallas Cowboys come here, come to New York, when you're not even supposed to let people come from Texas? How about, how about what, do you, what, what do you think about the uh, idea that uh, Tampa Bay is going to come here? Uh, to play the Mets. There's an unbelievable disconnect between what's going on in the real country and what's going on in sports. It's almost as big a disconnect as the stock market. I mean, have any of the football players, have they they been, what are they going to do, test them like halftime? They have instant PCR? I just continue to believe that the commissioners and the owners are full of hope. And uh, hope should not be part of the equation. I love hope. It's terrific. But uh, no fans, obviously. But do the does the health of the players matter or do they want the money so badly? Does everyone want the money so badly that we can just say, you know what, 15 day disabled for COVID? Is that where we're going? Because I think that no one wants to mention the dirty little secret that people get really sick, even if they are 28 years old. There's just this idea that if you're 28, it's like a, a cold. And I don't know when that stops. Uh, but if I were in Florida right now, I don't, I don't think I'd be thinking, wow, God bless you. It's not right. a sneeze. Uh, well, we are getting we're, we're getting a statement just now, Jim, from Washington, D.C.'s NFL team uh, and confirming what we know from reporting over the past couple of days that they will retire the name and the logo upon completion of a review. Uh, so, Jim, you're right. Money's a motivator. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Look, I want no one. I, no one wants to season more than I do. I'm a season ticket or the Eagles. Uh, but it just it, it occurs to me that we're not that we're, we're not going to be able to go. Right. Uh, and that's sure the, the TV money will be there. But, uh, David, you've got a boy going to college. Yeah. I mean, how many football, the football schedules one by one are being wiped out it's unfortunate. in college? Yes, there's not going to be a football season in the Ivy League and the NESCAC at this point. There will, however, be practice. practice. It never hurts to practice. Practice? Time. Yes. Practice? Practice. Practice? A lot of practice. Endless practice. And maybe, who knows, maybe not they'll be able to have the season in the spring. We can always hope. Talk to Iverson about that. Guys, we'll take a break. It's great to have Jim back. We do have some new target increases on eBay this morning. Uh, Alphabet, Apple, Amazon, and initiation of Disney over at uh, Goldman Sachs. They start with a buy. Of course, Disney World reopened over the weekend. We'll talk about how that went and what the future means, what Goldman sees when Squawk on the Street continues. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. 
You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back on Friday, David. Uh, we were talking about the prospect of M&A heating up this year, and sure enough, we've got a deal in semis. Yeah, we've got a, a, a large deal in semis, of course. You know, it, it, there'd been some talk about a big chip deal. We got it. Uh, analog devices, um, and it was announced this morning, um, some reporting on it uh, late yesterday, uh, buying Maxim, uh, 0.63 shares of ADI for each share. If you want to do the math at home, it gets you to about a 20, over $20 billion deal based on the equity value there. We'll see what analog does. Does, of course, Jim, in the early going here, they're talking, I think, about what, 275 million in overall cost synergies over time. Um, yeah, there it is. 275 million of cost synergies by the end of year two and accretive to adjusted EPS, adjusted EPS in 18 months subsequent to closing. We're going to be talking to uh, ADI CEO uh, later this hour, Jim. But what's your take on the deal itself? Of okay. course, a large one. We can see the premium being paid, resulting in maximum stock price going up before we start trading. First- Analog Devices knows how to acquire. Uh, they bought Linear, which I thought was going to be a tough deal. And when I spoke to the company when they did that, uh, they, did, they really combined the companies from record time. David, what's really extraordinary about this deal, when people say that the market's overvalued, all right? Well, Maxim was only up 4%. It was at its high, though. And uh, when you see companies that get bid at the high, even though they had, they had a not great quarter and this next quarter was going to be even worse, what it says is be careful if you hate this market because uh, Vince saw value in Maxim uh, batteries, that's car batteries, value in healthcare, care, uh, a lot of value in Internet of Things. Uh, this is a, there's a competitive world in the analog between analog devices and Texas Instruments. And I think this puts them in better position than Texas Instruments in terms of what I call industrial America technology, which has been weaker. If autos come back, this thing's a horse. And, I mean, they can now compete with the likes of Texas Instruments when it comes to R&D spending. Yes. Which is very important. Uh, in three, you know, they, they always say three years to get the deal done. Mm-hmm. David, it'll be two years. Uh, they always under they always under promise. They play UPod. When you say when you I want to make clear when you say sure. get the deal done, you mean integrate the two integrate companies. the deal with profit right. uh, so that we sit here and raise. When will we raise numbers? Mm-hmm. I think we'll be and I'm sorry to be imprecise, but it'll be two years from now. One of the most important things. And we're going to talk about that with, with this with Tesla battery management. They're going to own the EV electric vehicle drivetrain. And they can creep up into the actual battery. Well, we all we do is we talk about uh, much of the time, everyone when you're on vacation, they talk about Musk. Well, EV is really just Musk, but EV is going to be everybody. That's a good business for them. Uh, they also do, uh, Maxim's got this great healthcare business. Anybody who's, who is trying to figure out whether they have COVID uses a pulse oximeter. And pulse oximeter is Maxim. So that's a very good business, great healthcare business, uh, and uh, even though they are going to have a sequential decline because of COVID, the company's still getting a bid. Incredible. Yep, and they did raise their third quarter fiscal guidance as well, Carl. Yeah, that's a big deal, right? Uh, one of the biggest of the year so far. Yep. Guys, we'll touch on Disney after the break. Uh, stocks up one percent pre-market. When Squawk of the Street comes right back.
The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. All right, let's squeeze in a mad dash before we get started with trading here about eight minutes from now for the opening bell for the week. Pepsi is uh, the name you want to focus on, Jim. I find it extraordinary once again. People think that the market's overvalued. Then you get to the Pepsi quarter, and what happens? Well, Raymond LaGuardia, the CEO, hits it out of the park. Why? Because we're snacking more. It's what you do at home. Uh, their full, uh, their whole business of snacking is on fire. Now, the quarter started off strong. Then it got very soft, and then it ended very strong. Obviously, they're worried right now about Florida, California, Arizona, Texas. But this is a big lockdown beneficiary. And I keep stressing that if you can get the supply chain down, they hired 5,000 people to be sure that you got your tostitas. Now, get this, David, quicker. I know it's only uh, 4% of revenues. I know it's only 8% of profits. It's up 23% revenues, 53% in profit. Once again, you stay at home, you cook, you do all these things, bubbly and uh, incredibly strong. E-commerce, $3 billion. People don't want to go. They want to they have it come to you. So I, w- I was very excited about the quarter, and obviously the market is too, because once again, if you have a product that you stay at home with, winner, winner, lays dinner. Add a little more protein with it if you uh, actually are going that route. All right, we got an opening bell on the other side of this break about six minutes away. Stay with us. Welcome home. 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 Welcome home, everyone. Welcome, citizens. It's a video from Walt Disney World, which, of course, reopened on Saturday, Jim, with mask requirements, social distancing, low capacity. And then today we're watching this initiation of uh, Disney at Goldman with a buy and a 137 target. They say that parks will recover. Yeah. Look, I think that one of the problems we have with parks over and over again is social distancing. 
you simply can't put as many people in a place. Uh, I when I read the comments from people, they're saying, listen, it's so great. There's no line. Uh, I would cringe if I ran Disney because the the whole uh, atoms of profit there is the line. This Goldman piece is brilliant because it uses a term that we first thought about Netflix when it was a $50 billion company, not a $240 billion company. Content is king. David, this is about cord cutting. It's not about the wonderful world of color. (laughs) Cord cutting is continuing at a rapid pace, and that does figure into a lot of the... uh uh, the analysis that we're seeing from uh, from various people who follow these companies, Jim, the, the numbers are staggering, as you might expect. It's interesting because if you cut the cord these days, I mean, uh, YouTube TV, right, was forty nine ninety nine. Now I think it's sixty four ninety nine or will soon be sixty four ninety nine. You're not seeing people then go to those over the top services that basically create the cable universe for you in a different way. You're just seeing them leave. And not come back. They're not going to pay for ESPN anymore on a different platform. They're only going with what is available to them in terms of the SVODs and things of that nature. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see how it all shakes out. But it's interesting because the price comparison, which was a beneficial one for some time, may not really be there as much for some of the other those players such as YouTube TV uh, and and many of the others that we're aware of that have created these universes over the last uh, whatever, five years. Yeah, Carl, I, I feel I don't want to call this recommendation from Goldman thin rule. Uh, my chapel trust is on Disney since my chapel trust started. But I do think that, mm. like David, uh, this stuff's a little expensive. They need sports. Like so many other companies, they need sports. If sports come back, it, it's a win. But, yeah, I mean, ESPN is very interesting because you know, if you go to their website, uh, it's all ultimate. It's all fight club, fight club, flight, fight club. And then there'll be something that remembers Ted Williams. I don't know. I mean, a throwback. The whole site reads like a throwback. And then that was a throwback. I don't know. I want to go forward. I don't want to throw back. <laughs> uh, yeah, Goldman says uh, the market's under um, valuing uh, the direct-to-consumer segment by 50% on Disney. So we'll watch that name as we get the opening bells here, guys, and uh, watch the S&P 500 heat map. Jim, don't forget Netflix reports tomorrow. Up 24% in the past two weeks. Yeah, that's coming in way, way hot. But there are another survey that this morning that said, look, the numbers are going to be better than expected. And uh, Netflix is one of those stay-at-home stocks. It's just maybe, other than Amazon, the best stay-at-home stock. I remember when we were uh, incredulous. We, we, we were shocked that it passed the value of CBS. It was amazing. It was an amazing day because people realized, come on, this is ridiculous. CBS has everything from I Love Lucy to the Masters like no other. And they also have uh, March Madness. Well, you know what? Netflix has what we want at home. Uh, when people get together after they've had their obligatory COVID-19, they ask, what, are, what have you been watching on Netflix? They don't talk about what are you watching on TV? Uh, David, Netflix is the common parlance of our country past COVID-19. I agree with you. Uh, I think it's right. I mean, these days when we are either having a distant conversation in person or more likely one over Zoom or just over this thing called the telephone, uh, you're asking people what they're watching. Yeah. And oftentimes you end up on conversations about these various services, Netflix yeah. certainly being foremost. Approaching a $250 billion <sighs> market value, to your point, um, uh, 
to your point, Jim, it, it's astounding uh, at this point where the numbers are on that. And obviously, when I look at market value, uh, Carl, I'm also led to look at Tesla, which is up <laughs> yet yeah. again and is now, I, I, you know, I'm, I've been having trouble with my, uh, my fact set this morning. So I just want to make sure that this is right. $311 billion market yeah. value? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Carl, this is not, not only a that, car guys, company. <laughs> uh, I mean, Bloomberg has an index of billionaires, which they estimate billionaires' net worth. And uh, this morning they say Elon Musk has surpassed Buffett. Elon Musk has a higher net worth than Warren Buffett, uh, according to the Bloomberg index. Well, he had a Just better one, year than Buffett. <laughs> uh, one reflection of, of the, the wealth that's been created he, he in the did. stock. He had a better year. He also had an incredible compensation plan that we well know at the time. And by the way, it was it was it was all on his ability to 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 perform and for the stock price to perform. Carl, he got paid. You know, I'm now I'm forgetting. I know he's gotten the first part of it in terms of vesting an enormous amount of shares. But it, it he's getting rich while the shareholders do. Yeah, that's the kind of deal we want. You know, September 22nd, we're all going to have to take it's a national holiday, Carl, because that's battery day. And there are people talking about. Uh, a battery that goes for a million miles. There are people talking about batteries that last for a long time. Uh, so September 22nd, we're going to find out whether it's a car company or a, a, a vehicle that ends uh, fossil fuel, at least the beginning of. And I think September 22nd, this guy doesn't do anything idly. I mean, maybe he has a battery that is the answer to filling up and charging. Could be remarkable. Uh, it truly is, Jim. Cool. Uh, look at that, seventeen hundred. Wow. Uh, that's a, that's approaching, you know, that's approaching Jonas's um, two thousand bull case. Right. Uh, although he kept the underweight last couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, that's fun. Um, uh, Wedbush has got a two thousand dollar case. I uh, talked about three to four percent penetration, but they're talking about. He was talking about this on TV today. Four hundred dollars worth for China. The new thing. It's kind of like reminds me of um, Dustin Hoffman in The Graduate. India, kind of like plastics, India. So you can throw around India, and that suddenly is a new frontier. Uh, Musk is fun. He enjoys himself. You don't see Ford having a great time, right? I mean, like Ford's like, hey, the Bronco. Wow. No, I want a car that drives forever if if there was a place to go. Uh, All right. But, Jim, all right, just for uh, to spend another moment on this, because it is so extraordinary now, a three hundred and seventeen billion dollar market value. I mean, I did this the other day, but it's worth doing. It's bigger than J.P. Morgan at this point. It's I mean, I'm trying to find things that it's that that are still larger than it. And I can only come to Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft. That's, you know, and then it's rarefied air at that point in terms of it's one of the largest companies out there at this point. J&J is still larger than uh, Tesla. Well, uh, J&J reports, so that may not be the case. But but what, you know, on the fundamental basis of what this company is going to be able to do, how how do you back into that? Uh, All right. Forget dominating EVs. Okay. Okay. Um, Do they dominate autonomous driving in some fashion? Maybe. Do they dominate battery technology in a way that extends far beyond the automobile? Yes. Um, don't forget, they still own Solar City. I have no idea if there's any thoughts about that. I don't know. What, tell me all the different ways that this company is going to be able to perform that justifies, and it may very well, but justifies $316 well, billion dollars worth of People are using numbers like $25 a share, Carl. I mean, they're using actually EPS. 
they're basing it on that. And, and if they do have that kind of breakout, then someone may actually just say, you know what? It is a very inexpensive technology company versus Kramer Fave NVIDIA. Right. NVIDIA is so good. Jeez, they created that stock for this moment. Didn't that's, that's another name we talked a lot about wow. in your absence, Jim, as, uh, as NVIDIA's market cap yeah. surpassed Intel's, if we're, so long as we're comparing market caps. Amazing. Yeah, this is a new game, it's, but I regard it as just a parlor game. We can look at Intel and we look at, at, uh, at NVIDIA, and the reason why it's passing Intel is because it's a better company. And the end markets are terrific. The end markets are gaming. The, the end markets are the edge. The end market's the data center. And Jensen Wong's a genius. And he's got things in his head. I remember when I was out there, he said, let me tell you what I've got planned five years from now. Well, I mean, most companies don't have a plan for five quarters from now. David, when I talk to NVIDIA, it's like talking to uh, Hanna-Barbera. It's like the Jetsons. <laughs> you've, and you've been saying that for years. Yes, I have. And you have, to your credit, uh, been a proponent of this stock for a very long period of time. You don't name you your know? dog after a company. I know. I know a, lot of your, a lot of your critics on Twitter will come after you, you know, for various things. But, man, on NVIDIA, you have been dead right for a long period of time. And anybody who's owned it for that period of time has gotten uh, extraordinary gains. Thank you, David. You're welcome, Jim. Wow, that You're just welcome. made my day. Well, I'm, Carl, I'm glad, you just made my day. I'm glad to do that. I'm glad from, I'm back. From 35, <laughs> 40 feet it's away. It's all true. Wherever. I was going to say, Jim, Yeah. Uh, of the winners you've stuck with, Jim, I'm thinking Starbucks, Costco, Facebook, NVIDIA. Shopify. Would you call NVIDIA Shopify. your best? Don't forget Shopify. Shopify. I have losers, too. I have losers, but uh, yes. this is kind of one of those moments where uh, that I don't, I would not look as good Frankly, if it weren't for the pandemic, uh, these companies are pandemic stocks. They before this were great growth stocks. Now they have, with the exception of Tesla, a pandemic theme. I mean, Costco, you wear a mask, you get in. The numbers are fantastic. People want value. Uh, look at Facebook. I mean, that's where the ads are going, even though there might be a boycott. I don't think that'll be m- meaningful. Uh, Amazon. Well, I don't know. I-, I have not been to a store since March. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, there isn't anything I, I haven't been able to buy on Amazon. I, it, it is incredible. And, Carl, I don't know if I'm going to go back. I don't know if I'm ever going to go have, back. Well, well on, on Friday, uh, Jim, David and I were talking about the new street Hyatt City on Amazon, 3550. You'd think that would have a couple days as a, as a street high. No, today, Cowan goes to 3700. Uh, again, on on the whole mix, Jim, web services, uh, North American retail, growth prospects in India, despite the Walmart Plus news that tried to make some waves last week. Room for everybody. How about Cowan uh, talking about a top line acceleration from 29 percent, uh, 17 to 29. Uh, Amazon Web Services, when you do your checking on them, they've actually picked up more retailers, even though Amazon is uh, their competitor. I can't think of a better place to advertise than Amazon. Right point of sale. Boom. And did I buy Bubbly? Uh, which is a PepsiCo product on Amazon. You bet I did. What am I going to go into a supermarket and you know just like you know, go in like 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 that's not like that's hey I'm here to see. no I don't want to do it anymore. Not when I have Amazon. They bring it to me. I mean unless I need something that day and I don't. Um, a lot of these stocks. I mean, well, the the ones we've been speaking of, whether it's Netflix, Amazon, or certainly Tesla, Jim, they, they have gone parabolic. Oh my God, to, Tesla to some extent. I mean, it is, 
Yeah, Tesla is is right. Is up two hundred. That's not right. Two hundred bucks. It, and you know something else that's gone parabolic. Because I do want to bring it back to sort of M and A. We've got a large deal today. We're going to be talking to the CEO of uh, of. Um, uh, analog devices shortly, but also I've been mentioning these SPACs, Special Purpose Acquisition Corporations, because they've gone parabolic. Too. Everybody's got one. I mean, I'm surprised that Kramer hasn't started. Jim hasn't started one it. yet. Of course he has, along with his mezcal company and his restaurants and whatever right. it else. You might as well be doing a SPAC, Jim, because everybody else is. Today, the latest one from uh, Chin Chu and uh, Charles Drucker. But I want to talk about Multiplan. This is a company that is being acquired by or merging into Churchill Capital 3. This is Michael Klein uh, at Churchill Capital. This is an interesting deal. Keep an eye on the stock of this thing. It's, uh, the symbol is uh, CCXX. It's up about 15% this morning. This is a company that is fascinating. Um, it has access to a data network that is apparently unparalleled in terms of at least healthcare um, performance, healthcare uh, delivery, uh, and it has algorithms as well. Its customers are insurers, and the basic idea is they save the insurer money by telling them what bills are out of line from a hospital and from others. They are right now only out of network in terms of what they do. But the growth of the company has been extraordinary. It's gone from PE firm to PE firm to PE firm to PE firm. Finally now going public, $1.3 billion comes in from Churchill from the SPAC. But they also raise another $2.3 billion from other investors that include PIMCO, Oak Hill, Dell, Fidelity. Um, they're buying uh, a, uh, a 6% piece of paper. It's a convert. Um, values the company at 15 billion. Right now, it's valued at about 11 or so billion. But yet another SPAC. This time, the deal happening, and it has been fascinating to watch these. This will have the result of reducing their actual leverage at the company. They've been operating at seven times. That's how, how strong the company's been. Seven times EBITDA in terms of their leverage uh, at this point for the last 17 years. Multi-plan today. Churchill Capital three. Uh, acquiring that along with all these other investors or bringing them into this public entity. Um, would assume the shareholders are going to go along with that. Carl, send it back over to you. All right. All right, David. We mentioned uh, analog devices and Maxim. Uh, Maxim up here uh, at the open. Uh, and they also uh, raised their current quarter guide. We're going to check in with the CEO of ADI on that deal. Next. devices buying Maxim Integrated. It's an all-stock deal. It will combine two of the largest companies in the semiconductor area. Analog Devices CEO Vincent Roche joins us now. Very nice to have you with us this morning, Vincent. Um, Let me start with the basic question, which is why is this deal good for your shareholders, good for your customers, and good for your employees? Yeah, good morning, and thanks for having me. So, um, look, we've been for, we're a 55-year-old company. For that period of time, we have focused on building the world's best analog franchise. And, um, you know, more and more, our customers are asking us to do more and more. So, um, 
I think in this particular deal, scale is going to matter. We, we get more technology, we get more talent, and we get more products, quite honestly, to sell as well. So I tend to view these um, acquisitions, these mergers, as good for our customers for driving long-term profitable growth through innovation. So I think uh, given that it's an all-stock deal as well, uh, our shareholders on both sides will get to share in the upside. Uh, in terms of the increased equity value as we uh, combine the company, make it grow stronger and make it more efficient. Right. Uh, roughly 69 percent owned, so to speak, by your shareholders, 31 percent by right. uh, uh, current shareholders of Maxim. Give me an example of what this will enable you to do with your customers or what you will be able to offer those customers that you haven't been in the past when this uh, when you have integrated Maxim. Well, let me give you two particular examples. In the area of, uh, for example, um, vehicle autonomy, radar systems, uh, Maxim brings a very, very important interconnect technology that helps to move the, the information around the car in a very, very high fidelity, very, very high speed way. Uh, and that's a piece of technology that ADI doesn't have today. So it combines very well with ADI's uh, strength and infotainment in the car, for example. Another area where Maxim has a particular strength is in the data center, bringing the core power technologies that are really so important uh, to making sure that the energy gets to where it needs to uh, in these very, very processor-dense data centers. Um, and that's a place where we don't play today. ADI has other technologies in data centers, so together, we can take on more of the challenge in a, in a business of increasing complexity for our customers. This is Jim. Always good to see you. Thank you, Jim. One of the things that shocked me, I don't want to, I, I don't want to bury the leader. You reported a, a much better than expected quarter today. Uh, this is a quarter where everybody expects earnings per share to be down about 40%. Can you tell us what in your mosaic was on fire here? <laughs> well, first and foremost, we're a business. We're, we're a B2B-centered company uh, with a lot of diversity. So, you know, what we saw, Jim, this quarter uh, this is uh, uh, growing strength in our industrial automation sector and, and our communication sector, of course, along with healthcare. So those businesses are very, very strong. Uh, you know, automotive still remains on the weaker side and... Um, so that is the benefit and the great strength of the diverse business that we've been building in terms of products, applications, and customers. Vince, I, I think EV is the way to go. I know you control a lot of the train of that, but what's most exciting is this space business that you have. Uh, it, this is something that uh, I think that Maxim extends to healthcare, extends to the data center. But talk about space because it, it's a real business for you. It is a real business, uh, and it really um, was catalyzed with the acquisition of Hittite all those years ago, five years ago, uh, with very, very high-frequency communications technologies, to which we've been able to partner a lot of the ADI uh, signal processing capabilities. Now, with LT and Maxim, we also can bring very, very important power management solutions to bear. So it's still a relatively small business, Jim, for ADI today, but we see tremendous growth prospects and our penetration of that market from a customer perspective is very, very solid. Uh, what are your expectations when it comes to research and development uh, in terms of your ability to compete with obviously what is a fairly competitive set uh, of yeah. companies? 
Yeah, so we are unique. I mean, we as a company, first and foremost, we play at the cutting edge. So we lead. We are a leader. That, that's always been our proposition, that we bring great cutting edge technologies to bear to enable our customers to realize their innovation ambitions. And uh, if you look at Hittite, you look at LT, you look at Maxim, uh, they share that, uh, that DNA, that ethos with us. So my sense is that uh, we'll be able to, in a business that is increasing in terms of innovation complexity, where customers are asking us to solve more and more of the problem for them, I think this speaks to that beautifully. We've 10,000 engineers that we can point at, uh, you know, all the spaces that we care about in B2B and consumer and everything that will emerge. So I think it's uh, from a scale standpoint and from an ethos standpoint, it's a great match. Uh, and finally, Vince, I, you know, I'm just curious about the choreography of a deal during a pandemic, uh, because typically deals require the two principals to get together and talk figure things out. I don't know if you'd had a previous relationship. I know that typically or often can be the case within the same industry. But just give me a sense here as to how this worked um, over the last few months uh, because of the constraints around travel and around face-to-face. Yeah. Well, I'd say first and foremost, we've long been admirers of each other. You know, we, we are really cousins in, in the same industry. And of course, the, the, the whole discussion, the whole dialogue took place virtually, which is probably unique as well in the, in the landscape of M&A. So, um, you know, there's been a lot of, there's a lot of respect and uh, a lot of belief that the combination can really bring tremendous value to our customers and our employees, as well as shareholders. And if we solve for customers right. and employees, our shareholders are going to be happy with this. But you did not have a face-to-face, so you were able to do it all over Zoom or whatever you were using. Yeah, well, you know, Tunch and I know each other for many, many years, right. but uh, so we've, we've obviously met many, many times, but this was completely virtually uh, dialogued. I think that might be a first. Um, it might be a first. <laughs> Vincent Roach, thank you. Uh, appreciate your taking some time with us uh, during, of course, uh, a busy day with the large thank deal. Thank you. There. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Cheerio. 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 <laughs> Meantime, I uh, got the S&P at the highest level since June 8. Got an all-time high on the NASDAQ and the NASDAQ 100. Uh, we will talk about uh, that and along with Stop Trading with Jim in just a couple of minutes. Dear today, got to a one-month high before settling back just a bit. Baird uh, ups it to outperform target 189 on what they're calling home-related durable demand for small ag, code word for lawnmowers. Stock's up 2.5%. We're back in a moment. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. What would the morning be like without mentioning Apple? Uh, Katie Huberty, my favorite analyst on the stock from Morgan Stanley, uh, raises a price target from 340 to 419. Why? Because trade-ins. It looks like that the uh, trade-in policy is uh, the whole great where they finance you when you want to trade. It's underappreciated, she says. And given the fact that there's going to be a huge number of older phones and a new cycle coming up, she says, buy it. Uh, do we have a $2 trillion company coming here? It's very possible. And that would be rather extraordinary because it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about how amazing it was to have a trillion dollar company. This is all part of the amazement 
uh, that David talks about, the amazement that you could have a company that's $1.7 trillion. Yeah, I know, Jim. Uh, we got a Digitimes report. I mean, we always throw cold water on supply chain checks, but they do say MacBooks could be up 20 quarter on quarter. And last week, uh, the Buffett stake in Apple does now account for 22% of uh, Berkshire market cap. That's amazing. Wow. I mean, think about that. Talk about not being diversified. But again, he would say, well, wait a second, I'm Burlington Northern. I own a big pipeline network. I've got all these big precision cast parts. So, uh, Geico, I know that there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle, but the apple, I went to the Dairy Queen and saw the kids all on their apples. Maybe the best amount of best security analysis I've ever seen. You know, talk about diversifying. They're also diversifying their manufacturing base, Jim. Uh, I think the latest news is what a billion dollars in expanding. Uh, Foxconn is spending a billion to expand in India. Yeah. They're, they're getting away from China. I shouldn't say getting away, diversifying so that they don't have to rely on China. Well, it's very smart. And uh, uh, India is still very underpenetrated. So that's a very good idea because it's been a, a very uh, knockoff business in India. So there's a lot to like here in Apple. And I know that people have to understand that trading was the one that started this whole move. People were not paying attention to it. I have urged Tim Cook over and over again to say, talk about the value of a customer. Because they are lifetime value because the customers, uh, the 90 percent continue to love the phone. Talking, by the way, about uh, really the, uh, the end of the phones that are competition. Really interesting. The end of competition. You guys, it's been fun to compare market caps with you this morning, whether it's Tesla or NVIDIA or Salesforce, Jim, which I saw over the weekend overtook Oracle. Well, why not? Uh, Salesforce is uh, the actual, uh, the cloud, they invented the cloud. And I'm going to have Mark Benioff on tonight, along with uh, Darius Adamchek from Honeywell and Peter Diamandis, Dr. Peter Diamandis. Why? Because we're unveiling the next-gen tech contest. And that's to find a wearable mask that everybody will feel comfortable in. And I think that this is going to be a very exciting project. Million-dollar prize money from XPRIZE. Hmm. Jim, we are grateful you are back. Oh, it's so much fun. Hey, by the way, uh, I was in quarantine, and not great because your wife puts you in the pool house. Thank God I have a pool house. But Netflix, the quarantine. (laughs) I mean, I watched Epstein. I mean, look, when you have have 24 hours to kill for six straight days, there's a lot of Netflix that you discover. World War II in color. (laughs) I've seen that. It's not funny. The the algo got a lot smarter. In your house over the weekend, Jim. Uh, We'll see you tonight. (laughs) Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.